I love it. I love it. I love it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Keith Battle Podcast. The baddest intro music in the world. If we don't give you nothing else on this podcast, we give you a good opening music. That's it. Amen. After that, you can go ahead and leave now. No, we don't want you to leave. This is going to be a great day today. I have a special guest, and today we're going to be talking about money. We're going to be talking about finances. We're going to talk about financial education, retirement, annuities, fiduciary, whatever that means, all kinds of stuff, estate planning. This is financial conversation for grown-ups, but it's going to be communicated in a way that financial people who don't, people who are not financial grown-ups will be able to understand it. And I'm so pleased today to have as our special guest, Mr. Ed Gaskins. He's with us. He's got uh, over 17 years of experience in this field and uh, really a calling on his life to do this work and help educate people and train people financially and also prepare them for a healthy financial future. Thank you so much, Ed, for being with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you, man, for taking the time out. Why don't you do this for us? Can you tell us your background and training? Just your story, your journey to sure, this place. Sure. How you even got in the financial world? Man, that that and, might yeah. be the whole program. I'm after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really make we it. We give you a non-preacher. You're not a preacher, I've been, so you should been be around a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot to tell. Got a lot to tell. Um, well, first of all, yeah. let's shout out the Fairmont Heights High School Hornets. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the Hornets. Your, we, 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 that's yes. our alma mater. Yeah, we share that in yeah. common. We Amen. do. Amen. We do. You went there when they when it was segregated, right? It it was, and busing began. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to true. carry you like and that. And then busing began right during, uh, I think, my my uh, sophomore year. Yeah. And people yeah. were forced in. It, it's a great experience, great experience, a great yeah. heritage, Fairmont Heights. Indeed, yeah. indeed. I didn't always see it that way, but <laughs> <laughs> when I look at alumni like you, I feel <laughs> better about the situation. Uh, anyway, so your journey, training, where'd you go to school yeah, so, and all so, that? So after Fairmont Heights, I... Um, Went to Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. And, major. Uh, you know, uh, Brown was a weird place. You could make your own major. Um, but I majored in basically liberal arts. Um, mm. it was the title of it was Urban Studies, but, but it was basically everything related to city, um, community, uh, economics related to people living together in proximity and planning that existence. So basically it was a liberal arts degree that prepared me for nothing but continue learning <laughs> <laughs> and is that what you did and that's what i did i i, I then went and got uh, an mba um at university of north carolina at chapel hill and mm. it, it, uh, when i got there it was really funny because at brown they had at that time they had no business courses they didn't consider business an academic pursuit wow but i knew that's where god was leading me and so i went there i went there on the fellowship um and um pretty much majored or concentrated in finance. Mm -hmm. uh, little did I know what that was going to lead to, but um, I initially started my career in the consulting world okay. uh, with a company that used to be called Coopers and Librand, now Price Waterhouse Coopers, uh -huh. as a consultant. And yes. uh, then about a year later, moved into the software industry uh, okay. after I got laid off. <laughs> so I had my wow. first job, professional job for a year. They let go about 40% of the staff. Uh-huh. And God directed me in a totally different direction and started in the IT industry. It was a burgeoning industry at that time, software, all those things. And and that was uh, 20 years of blessing financially and hardship mentally <laughs> and spiritually and wow. everything else. Wow. Um, it was basically indentured servitude. And you had to be with whatever company was popular and you just move on to the next mm. one. And no real results other than the immediate and the paycheck. Right, right. And so um, right. I, I made it. Which is interesting because some people are so interested in just those things yeah. until you get them. And you're yeah. like, yeah. what's that like to be getting that check and still be empty, man? Well, I, 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 and, and I'm, I'm, and that's, I don't want to impose yeah, yeah. emptiness so on I you. So I wasn't but empty, but uh, the yeah. purpose was yeah, empty. I got you. And growing up in a household of two teachers mm -hmm. where in that day – I saw my parents literally change the course of people's lives, mm. not just for their lives, but sometimes for generations. I would come home sometimes. There may be people living in my house that wow. I didn't know, yeah. either from their school or from overseas or friends of friends. Mm -hmm. uh, the nature of what I saw them do made me realize later on when I got to, uh, when we got to the dot-com era 
that that was a pretty much empty way to go, mm-hmm. especially with my father having a terminal illness. Mm. I reexamined things and determined you know, I didn't want to live my life in a meaningless way. I wanted to live my life with purpose and more in line, of course, with my walk with Christ. Wh- at what age did that kind of shift happen to you? Probably the beginning of my, as I was moving into my 40s. You know, uh, one of my mentors, Bob Bill, says that he, he believes that every season Bob of Bills. life has a yeah. has a has a has a um a theme so the first 10 years he mm-hmm. believes this the theme is security mm-hmm. kids need security second mm-hmm. 10 years teenagers are selfish mm-hmm. in the 20s it's all about struggling mm-hmm. trying to find your way 30s is all about success mm-hmm. want to make it want to mm-hmm. get there mm-hmm. but then he says you have this shift in your 40s where you really want significance mm-hmm. you want your life mm-hmm. to count mm-hmm. you want to matter you want your work to matter mm-hmm. and and it sounds like that's kind of True in your case, mm-hmm. like so. So you, you you get this shift and you end up in the financial world, yeah, right? Yeah, that was a weird that was a weird and turn. I, and I'm <laughs> glad, but I'm glad because what you know, finances can be such a a tricky mm-hmm. environment, mm-hmm. and 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 we we're so untrusting as a people mm-hmm. that the little bit of money we have, we want to be able to have conversations with yes. people who look like us mm-hmm. and who believe what we mm-hmm. believe. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, the fact that you're an African-American man with integrity mm-hmm. places you in a, a place of, I think, in a, a place where you're a necessity in mm-hmm. the community, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you're talking about meaningful. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, most people don't want to have a conversation, mm-hmm. so <laughs> people are going to kind of um, uh, eavesdrop in on mm-hmm. this conversation, mm-hmm. and then maybe they'll have a further mm-hmm. one with you, and you'll tell them later how they can get in touch with you. Let so me tell you the other part of that circle. Yeah. So the bulk of what I do mm-hmm. is engaged in teaching people. Yeah. I grew up as the son of teachers. Yes. Never wanted to be one. Right. right? You tend not to do what your parents yeah, do, right? Yeah, But God had the last laugh. So you spend your time <laughs> teaching people. <laughs> Excellent. Absolutely. And that's a, so that's what we're going to do today. There we go. We're going to put your teaching hat there on. There we go. I have a question. This is just, mm-hmm. I don't even know why I think of this. But have you found there to be a difference between the way Christians and non-Christians view and manage money. And if there is a difference, like how how is that distinction? Because I know what I believe about that. Like there is this, it's particularly in the real conservative, evangelical, mm-hmm. fundamental, mm-hmm. right-wing, mm-hmm. Repu- all on mm-hmm. that side mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Like there's almost this like we don't, when it comes to wealth, mm-hmm. it's like be careful. Mm-hmm. Don't Lord, don't like, don't love that money, mm-hmm. like you know. And then, so anyway, just tell me your you you've been in it, entrenched in it. Any distinctions in your mind that are kind of glaring between unbelievers and positive or negative, in your opinion? Well, as you can imagine, there is no single thread other than hopefully believers do take into account things that unbelievers don't. Chief amongst them, generosity. Yes. But apart from that, unfortunately, the pattern that you see is not as different as you might hope. Okay. Um, okay. We're still subject to the same uh, snares of mm-hmm. debt, of not thinking ahead, mm-hmm. of of making assumptions about, uh, uh, or maybe I should say presumptions mm-hmm. <laughs> about uh, uh, how. You you don't have to prepare for things, et cetera. So I would say as a whole, um, it's not as different as you would hope. But, of course, with mature believers, uh, the biggest difference that you see is a desire to make their money align with their life and their values and with Mm -hmm. their calling in the Lord. And that is a wonderful thing when you see that, Mm -hmm. recognizing that, you know, what we have is not for us and mm-hmm. us alone mm-hmm. we are stewards of what god has given us and if we can gain a vision of how that fits in the overall purpose that god has mm-hmm. he can do a lot more with us and with our money so give me a an, an example of that when you see a mature believer whose money is aligned with their values how does that look in in just in a practical way okay so Realistically, when you think about money, um, especially when you, we think about times when we're in the work world, mm-hmm. there's really only four things you can do with your income. Okay, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and you use it on lifestyle, mm-hmm. which for most people is the 
biggest part of the pie. Yeah. Um, you owe. Mm-hmm. And when we think about owe, owe goes into two different categories. In one sense, owing is debt that mm-hmm. you have. You're buying a house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're buying cars or whatever. You owe as a result of that if you don't buy it uh, cash, right, with cash. Mm-hmm. But it also includes taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we must, <laughs> I'm sure we're all aware that if we have income in this world, uh, we get to share it with Uncle Sam. Yeah, I got some questions <laughs> about him. <laughs> I've never met him, but, but he but sure but is but in but my but money. What most people, believers even, will denigrate taxes. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't believe that you should give all your money to the government so the government can do things you wouldn't do with your money. So you should be savvy and wise with your taxes. But taxes are actually a sign of blessing. Wow. The only people who don't have a tax liability don't have wow. any income. income. <laughs> now, that's a nice way of looking at it. So you said there are four things that we could do with money. Lifestyle, Let me get to the other ones. Oh, yeah. taxes, yeah. and what's the other one? Giving, okay. which is very important, obviously, for a believer, the recognition that God gives us money as stewards. Mm-hmm. So, so the question is, are we acting as a dam or a – and that is – like beavers and dams. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> are right, we acting right. as a dam or yeah. are we acting as a conduit? <laughs> we, we, this is a rated G <laughs> broadcast most times. So clarify D A M. With Adam no Water blocking end. water, right right. right? right, right, right. Or are we acting as a conduit? Yeah. Okay? Right. So hopefully, as believers, we're acting as a more as a conduit than, than uh, a block. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing, of course, is growth. Mm-hmm. We can grow our money as we're commanded to do. God has commanded us to take what he's given us and make gain. Mm-hmm. So those are the only four things you can really do with income. Well, it's kind of, well, it's really five you listed. You, you can do stuff around your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Then you you can owe. Owe is, is two things as sub-bullets. A it's part of your lifestyle. Debt and taxes. Debt and taxes. Yes. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those two to go together. Mm-hmm. Giving and growth. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Debt and taxes are part of what we owe. Let's 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 talk about I, I think I think this is a good spot to go into some of the terminology. OK, like it, because you're an expert and I'm like, I would like for you to help make complicated terms more simple okay. for us. OK, because a lot of people like myself mm-hmm. are intimidated in the financial world, believe it or not, because of terminology. Mm-hmm. It's like you guys talk words. They're like, I don't know, it's like code. Like, yes. So I'm going to give you some of those <laughs> words, and hopefully you can help make sense of it. So what is an annuity? Okay. Like, So annuity is simply a measured way of taking income from a amount of principal, a body of principal. So if you have a, let's say, a nest egg, there's only two ways you can take money out from that nest egg, at least that are wise. Of course, mm-hmm. you can spend it all. <laughs> A next egg being but a savings account? Yes, savings, investments, whether okay. it be retirement funds or an investment account or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is annuitization, which you turn that into regular, steady income that's guaranteed by an insurance company or a pension. It's really all the same principle. They basically can take the expectations for your, your lifespan mm-hmm. and divide up how much that um, that amount of principal can generate mm-hmm. and so it's that's annuitization the only other way is by systematic withdrawals which mm-hmm. you have more of a traditional investment in, in, in either cash or stocks or bonds mm-hmm. and you take a little piece of it as needed as you go mm-hmm. annuitization is totally different it's uh, usually a set amount over mm-hmm. long periods of time and the focus again is on the income phase mm-hmm. so social security is an annuity Okay, that mm-hmm. that that helps. What is what does fiduciary mean? <laughs> yeah, fiduciary means when um, you are acting in the best interest of your client in the financial world, and it basically has the concept of you being on the same side of the table as your client. You thinking as if you were serving your mother. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's really the mindset of fiduciary. So wow. you would never do anything without counting their interests first as opposed to your own interests. I got you. Yeah. 
So if it's in the best interest of the client to provide <coughs> to provide a particular product or service mm -hmm. that wouldn't be most beneficial to me mm -hmm. as the service provider, right, right. then fiduciary says, I do what's best for the client, even if it's not best for me. That's right. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're joining us live on any uh, social media platform, feel free to, um, you know, send in a question for me to share with Ed and, and um, my team will make sure we get that to you. What's an IRA? But and the various kinds and what is Roth a person? <laughs> Actually, it was he. Really? They, he was but okay. IRA s stands for many different things in the technical sense. From the IRS perspective, who created you know with the, the regulations put it in place, it's actually called an individual retirement arrangement. Okay. Um, we use. I, I thought it was an account, but it's an arrangement. It, it's that too. Okay. In the colloquial terms, it's an account. But okay. But basically what it was is a law that allowed us as individuals to be able to um, save for retirement in a trust on our behalf without needing an employer to do it. So the principle is. That, that distinguishes it from a 401k. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So when Congress created this, um, and that became you know Irish regulation, the whole idea was to give people an opportunity to work for employers that did not have retirement plans, the ability to at least move forward with some tax advantage. So it started out being something you do uh, as a deduction. Started out as two thousand dollars uh, way back in. Let me see what year it was. I can't remember what the years. I, I better mm -hmm. not get into specifics mm -hmm. about that because I'll give the wrong one. Mm -hmm. And today, it's an individual account that allows you to put up to fifty-five hundred dollars a year if you're under fifty, and sixty-five hundred dollars a year if you're over 50. So mm -hmm. obviously it's not a whole lot of money, right. but it is a concession to the fact that some people don't have a tax-favored way for savings. Mm -hmm. And it comes in two flavors. There's a before-tax flavor mm -hmm. that you can deduct if you meet the qualifications, and a post-tax flavor, which you referred to, called the Roth, mm -hmm. which you pay it out of your income, you get no deduction for it, but in return for that, you also never have to pay taxes on it in your lifetime again in terms of the growth or the principal. Is there an advantage to one or the other in your opinion? How would you advise a client regarding Roth yeah, versus yeah. regular IRA? So there are a lot of it depends okay. <laughs> okay. when it comes to making that decision. Uh -huh. um, I should mention one thing too. Your ability to contribute to an IRA is limited by your income. And on the traditional side, it can also be limited by whether you have an employer-sponsored retirement plan available to you. So wow. keep that in mind. Everybody can't do it. And in our area, we have a lot of dual household, dual income households. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can't do IRAs of the type that I described. But then there's another side of the IRA, and that is when you do have employer-sponsored retirement accounts, and you then leave that employer and you want to manage it yourself. Uh, the only option to do that without any tax consequences is to roll that money into an IRA, but this IRA is not limited by how much can be put in because it's not based on individual con contributions. It's based on basically taking it from one bucket mm -hmm. that your employer sponsored mm -hmm. into a bucket that you are responsible for managing yourself. Mm. So it's two different, two different and, uh, and, types. And and from the standpoint of paying now on taxes versus paying versus yeah. paying later, yeah. any is it you know, is it I'll, I'll give you some on general yeah. Okay. It, it it almost always it's an it depends and, and I have to know a lot more about the situation to make a specific recommendation, but I will tell you this. In general, mm -hmm. the lower your tax liability, the more you should participate in a non taxable account, like a Roth. Okay. So, because th the deduction doesn't matter to you. Right. So, the younger you are, for example, um, the ability to put money in, take the hit when you're young and your income's relatively low compared to the way it's going to be later in life, with the promise of never having to pay taxes on it, it's amazing. It's an amazing Got deal. It. Makes sense. For someone that's younger, they could have considerably more when they get to retirement age than someone who took the deduction simply because all of their money that they put in 
uh, gets to work for them that entire time, and mm -hmm. then when they take it out, there's no no taxation. So the compounding is on everything they put in. They take the liability up front. It tends to be a very great deal. On the other hand, if you're older, it may make s more sense to take the deduction. If your income tax rate is higher, if you're in the 32% tax taxable bracket mm -hmm. and you have other obligations, et cetera, to be able to have the government subsidize that, literally, by allowing you to deduct that, it can be a tremendous boost as well. And you still have the principle of the money compound compounding over long periods of time. But, mm -hmm. you know, so the time frame, your age, uh, your tax uh, liability all play all a play role. a factor. Mm -hmm. You know, we we did some statistics on our podcast audience, and and I think is it generally speaking, most of the people that listen to us are women between the ages of twenty five and forty five. Wow. So if you got a single so women or just women, we don't know their okay. their marital status, but. That's the largest population, mm -hmm. women between ages 25 mm -hmm. to 45. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at that avatar, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 25 to 45, yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's a pretty big mm -hmm. window. Mm -hmm. But, And I know single married mm -hmm. can make a difference. Mm -hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and mm -hmm. say there are probably more single mm -hmm. women listening mm -hmm. than married. Mm -hmm. um, is there... Is there something that starts turning in your oh, mind? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so absolutely. You, let's let's hear yeah. that. Let's hear that. The twenty-five to forty-five-year-old single woman. Yeah. yeah. What does she need to know? What's kind of like, hey, sis? Let me tell you. Yeah. These are yeah. these are some things I need you to know well, right probably now. Probably the biggest factor that women need to be aware of is the fact they live longer than men. Wow. So the fact that they live longer than men, uh, being uh, able to support retirement is going to be a bigger uh, it's going to be a bigger deal because mm -hmm. they're going to have to fund more years in retirement. The average person now spends about 25% of their life in retirement. Wow. So since women live longer, the risk to them are greater of running out of resources. Of, of running out of resources, which is one of the top 3 fears of Americans, mm -hmm. you know, not having enough or, or not having enough in retirement, running out of money in retirement and the cost mm -hmm. of healthcare in retirement. Yeah. So one of the other facts Those three things one more time. Running out of money in retirement. Mm -hmm. What is the second you said? Uh, not being able to maintain their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And then uh, cost healthcare. of health care. Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I almost feel like, I don't know if you, you sense this, but I almost feel like there's this intentional negligence or turning away mm -hmm. from that future. Like, mm -hmm. we don't want to face mm -hmm. it. Like, mm -hmm. we're acting like, I'm like, when do you think you're going to retire? Mm -hmm. what, are you, what are you doing now? Right. To throw money into that place, I was like, "What are you throwing out yes, there? Yes. That's twenty years in front of you. Mm -hmm. That's gonna be there when you need it." Mm -hmm. And people live so much in the now, yes, like that's yes. why they buy. Like, oh man, I got a raise. Mm -hmm. I I went. I upgraded. I mm -hmm. got the twenty eighteen mm -hmm. version, right? <laughs> and and everything is so, like people are are so. And maybe that's a young thing, but I'm just saying. I almost feel like there's a there's a mindset. Like somebody's going to take care of me, and that's mm -hmm. so irresponsible. Yeah, yeah. And do you find that? Well, well, well I guess let's, let's they wouldn't be sitting. They wouldn't be meeting with you right. if they're thinking that way. Right, right. So, so let's look at the numbers. About a quarter of married people live solely on Social Security. Mm -hmm. About f over forty percent of single people rely solely on Social Security. Okay. The maximum Social Security benefit is about thirty thousand dollars a year. Wow, that's maximum. So that will put things in perspective for you. Yeah. And Thir I yeah. And, and I really like to think of it like this. Um, and you remember the old show, Let's Make a Deal? Yes, they sir. They have the three doors. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Across yep, the top. Yep, and you would yep. choose. Monty Hall. Monty Hall. You yeah, select yeah. one. Well, in America, the whole idea of being prepared for later in life is more like a two-door game show. Okay. Um, behind one door is where the great majority of Americans end up, where they're not prepared, they have made no plans, and the life after retirement is full of struggle, challenges, disappointment. Poverty. Poverty. Lack. A sense of, I wish I could have, okay? And the other door, behind the other door, is people who are freed, when we think about retirement, to accomplish. Mm. 
And the only difference between the two, and of course I'm slightly partial here, I will admit to that. Mm -hmm. The only difference between those two groups is the door, the second door, someone has done a written, measurable plan of what they hope to accomplish with their lives. Just a plan. That's Just all, wrote a plan. That's the only difference. That's the only wow. difference. And the cost of not having that plan is not, in my mind, it's not just the $30,000 that you're now faced to live on mm -hmm. in an ideal situation because all you have is Social Security. Mm -hmm. But it's the emotional mm -hmm. depression. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. lack makes you depressed. Yes. I don't know if you can sit around here yes. and say, oh, hallelujah, God right. will make a way. Right. Right. It's, it's depressing mm -hmm. to be praying for a breakthrough mm -hmm. every month mm -hmm. for finances. Mm -hmm. It has to impact you spiritually. Mm -hmm. Because when everybody else is worshiping and praising God, we're just in this worrying. Mm -hmm. So my worship's turned to worry. All of that is impacted by the, by the, I don't know, it's like this, not so much an inability to plan, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but an unwillingness. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to deal with it. It's like people who don't want to plan for their death right. or have a conversation about what do you want in your funeral arrangements? Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, do you have cemetery property? Mm -hmm. Do you? Do you have any plans mm -hmm. of this? Do you, you know, it's going to be a lot left on your children mm -hmm. if you don't work this stuff out. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's a, it's a, it's epidemic. Yes. In our culture, yes. in our world, and I, I just, I thank you for this conversation mm -hmm. to remind us of it. Any other thoughts on retirement that you didn't touch on? That you want to just retirement in general? I know you said a lot. You mm -hmm. said about that written plan, mm -hmm. and and I think it can almost seem overstated. Mm -hmm. For you to say the only difference between mm -hmm. door number one and door number two is mm -hmm. a written plan. Mm -hmm. So are you saying if I got a plan written, tell me why that's factual. Mm -hmm. Because it sounds like, well, that's simple. Mm -hmm. I'll write a plan. But I, I'm sure there's a little more behind that, right? Yeah. Well, what's behind it? And, and, and I, I'm reluctant to give numbers because I didn't bring them today and I don't want to give you the wrong numbers. But we do know that the people that feel confident about moving into retirement are people that have taken specific actions in line with what, uh, in line with planning for the preparing for the future, as nice. opposed to the people that have not. Right. I mean, you look at the surveys. Um, there's a right now one of the biggest. Um, I, I think, uh, and who did the survey? I can't remember. Um, one of the greatest. You didn't like me, Ed. See, <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember. You just told me when to, we sat. At, we sat at at the Fairmont Heights High School. Grand opening of the building together. <laughs> you told me what year you graduated. We sat together at the event, and I just asked you this morning what high school you went to. Come on, it's in it the room. It happens it's to the, the best room. of us. It, it really does. Again. It happens to the best of us. Um, now I can't remember what I was saying. What, what was what I you, saying? Which is what you're giving is the data that supports yeah. a plan, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And I have a question around that yeah. because I think I get it now. Yes. When you say people here's what i here's what i would challenge and mm -hmm. i think you know pastorally i tend to be mm -hmm. very passionate and aggressive mm -hmm. about this mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. you you're mild-mannered by nature but mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're not passionate mm -hmm. but i think when people are unwilling to make goals mm -hmm. make plans have a vision and then make an investment yes, yes. in that goal yes. like some people want a financial future to stable but don't want to invest in it mm -hmm. not just with their money right. for their future mm -hmm. But this kind of stuff really can't be done without expertise. Mm -hmm. Like to not, and I'm not even trying to sell you to our audience, mm -hmm. but to not have a certified financial planner or whatever the connotation are, is, right. mm -hmm. you are walking into an environment that you don't know. Mm -hmm. Like if I tell, you know, the people sitting in this room with me today, with all due respect, I've been trained to do this. And I tell you, I wanted, I wanted to talk about the hermeneutical syntax mm -hmm. of Matthew 28, <laughs> verses 19 to 20. I want to know which, what is the passive mm -hmm. and perfect tense of mm -hmm. the Greek language when Jesus said go. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. and, 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 and where, where else is it used in Scripture? And I want your homiletic to be married to your hermeneutic <laughs> on this. You understand what I'm saying? lose me real fast. Exactly. That's right. You're treading in a space. Yeah. Now, you can talk about you want to preach a sermon, yes. but you're treading in the wrong space yes. now. Yes. Respect my space. Yes. And what I'm saying is I respect this space enough to know I've got to invest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to do something that is this 
important mm-hmm. to my life, yes. my wellness, and my yes. future. I have to be willing to invest mm-hmm. in somebody mm-hmm. who can help me get mm-hmm. there. That's just factual. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, it's going to cost you some money mm-hmm. to get somebody mm-hmm. to help you get where mm-hmm. you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. And, yes, in that, that investment. And, they may, you know, the beauty of it is a lot of it's not even like a, you know, the way you're, you guys – in your world, the way I understand your pay structure, it's not even like when I go see my therapist mm-hmm. or my doctor, it's not even like a copay. that's like, here's <laughs> this, like, I got to give you this check. Although there are, uh, you know, mm-hmm. there are fees, but it can be built into your overall mm-hmm. package, yeah, which I think makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. So I want to encourage everybody out there. Um, listen, this man, I wouldn't have him on the podcast if I didn't trust him. And I was going to say this for the end, but I just want you to say, because people are listening, where your company is mm-hmm. and how they can reach you. Okay. And then we'll go further into the sure. conversation. But just sure. specifically, where you are and how they can get in touch with sure. you or your staff to sure. set in the, sure. you know, hey, I need to come see you. I heard you you're on the podcast, and I want to get 50 cent off of my, my um, <laughs> <laughs> 50 cent off. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Really, there we go. We can do that. So our practice is called Your Financial Architects, and the reason it's called that because we think it describes what we do. Mm-hmm. We help our clients achieve their goals with accountability. Not our goals, mm-hmm. <laughs> but their goals. Gotcha. Uh, our main office is next to Columbia at a town called Elk- Elkridge, right at 195. Um, it's right it's up from around the Maryland, world. Columbia, yeah, Maryland. Right at Columbia, Columbia Maryland. Mm-hmm. We also have other locations. We are, are, are blessed to be able to use a satellite office of, uh, of another firm where, where I have some dear friends that's in Greenbelt. We also have uh, uh, the same type of arrangement in the Tyson's Corner and Lockville areas. Mm. Um, our website is yourfinancialarchitects.com. And pretty much all our contact information is there, as well as our philosophy and, and uh, about what we do. We're also on LinkedIn under, mm-hmm. uh, under my name. And so um, we welcome the opportunity to serve people. Uh, it, you know, we, we will serve anyone that has a goal or vision who, or who wants to document their goal or vision. Because mm-hmm. without that, you have nothing, honestly. I That's the starting point. And we, we use a process that helps people define that mm-hmm. and write it down, oftentimes for the first time in their lives. Right. And the truth of the matter is everybody has a starting point, mm-hmm. but everybody doesn't have a destination that's defined. Wow. And if you don't have a destination that's de- defined, you can't even figure out the mode of transportation to get there or Ooh. how long it's going to take. Now you preach. <laughs> Everybody has a starting point. Just the fact that you exist shows that you had to have a starting mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. But everybody doesn't have a defined destination. Right. And without and a destination, you can't even plan a route. And without a defined one, you'll just end up wherever you end up, mm-hmm. which has got to be like we have to get more. M- we have to be more responsible than operating in what we consider to be fate. Yes. I'm just going to let yes. what fate allows, right? Yes. So I want to is with your practice, mm-hmm. and again that's Ed Gaskins of no s on the end of Gaskin. Yeah, people do that to me too <laughs> all the time. Ed I get Gaskin. one. I get one free all the time. <laughs> Ed Gaskin, yes. G A S K I N. People you, call sir. me Keith Battles. Right. <laughs> um, they don't even call me Keith. They call me <laughs> Keith. <laughs> Keith Battles. Um, but Ed Gaskin of your financial architects. Do you have a particular? Uh, client that's kind of more ideal for you, or yeah. I know you're, I know you're there for everybody, but yeah. like kind of, do you have a niche I, I, that you kind of look? I like, like to you'd say love to work with? we prepare, train, and focus on serving three groups of people. Okay. Um, so we love to serve pastors and clergy because we believe that if we can free them to be unmuzzled, then they can more fully carry out the work of God. Nice. Secondly, closely held small business owners. Mm-hmm. And then um, professionals that tend to have very complicated compensation packages, whether they be attorneys or physicians, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Because we have served those people for many years, um, it has allowed us to be able to serve every other kind of person. So sure. we don't... What kind of makes us unusual is we don't have minimums or things like that because uh, we don't believe that the Bible teaches us that we should play favors, favorites. So, so, so even though that's your primary avatar, mm-hmm. 
those three groups, pastors and clergy, mm-hmm. and I want to specifically ask you about them, obviously, <laughs> impacts me. Closely held business owners. Mm-hmm. Define that just in, what does that mean? So most small businesses are, are closely held small businesses. I got you, SBA. Mm-hmm. And then uh, your professionals with what you would consider complicated pay structures. Yeah. Now, let me talk about clergy because mm-hmm. I know we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do an annual event for clergy. I can do. you tell us about that? Tell our audience about yeah, that and how yeah. they can get involved. I know you do an annual breakfast. And if you had any specific financial advice for clergy, what would that be? Well, I, I, I we do a um, uh, 10 years ago, um, God led me to bring together clergy. Most of them were my clients, but not mm-hmm. solely clients, mm-hmm. together for fellowship, mm-hmm. for encouragement, and for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once a year, um, basically I told God, as long as he provides, I will continue <laughs> to doing it. And he's mm-hmm. amazingly continued to provide, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the purpose for it, it has become kind of bringing together people across the traditional denominational lines, even geographic lines here in the DMV, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, so that they get to know one another. And uh, some amazing things have come out of it. There's no agenda. There's no business discussed. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's no cost, et cetera. It happens every October. Mm-hmm. This year, um, I believe we're scheduled for October 11th. And uh, our first speaker 10 years ago, Dr. Johnny Parker, will be our speaker for our 10th anniversary. Nice. Johnny's great You guy. may know him. Know him well. <laughs> know him well. And so in October, if there are clergy listening who'd like to be get in on that, how do they get in touch with your team? So they can out? they can call my office, 443-492-6608. We have actually not put the advance out. This is like the first advance, <laughs> advance mm-hmm. announcement on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will um, contact them when we mm-hmm. get close to the date. Um, we unfortunately do have a limit to the to the number, so the first come first, serve, first available, yeah. right? Um, but it's a joy to bring it together every year, and we've seen other relationships develop between pastors and uh, I- and and other clergy. So that includes sometimes uh, we also include people who run, uh, you know, ministries that Non-profits. may be separate. Yeah. Parachurch, mm-hmm. great, good deal. Any advice for clergy? Just financial advice yeah. that that may be yeah. different, yeah. or was uh, it, it kind of? So clergy are a special class, not only because of their calling, but also because of tax law, and also because of the unique environment of having boards <laughs> yeah. to help them in making decisions, et cetera. Um, so the process is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that uh, we try to make sure people understand is that uh, – and I hate to say this, but clergy compensation is one of the few places that you often find in churches where they want to be average. Mm. And mm-hmm. what we see in Scripture mm-hmm. is exactly mm-hmm. the opposite. Mm-hmm. We want to free our men of God that preach the word mm-hmm. to be unfettered mm-hmm. so that they don't have to, if unless they just want to or the form of their calling. They don't have to have a second job. They don't have to have their health benefits provided by their wife's job. Mm-hmm. They don't have to uh, try to figure out um, how they're going to survive. Mm-hmm. They have to stay in the pulpit because they can't retire. Mm. Our mission is to wow. try to hopefully get in front of that, educate the bodies or the governing bodies, mm-hmm. but also educate the, the pastors that just like every other profession, they have to prepare and protect their families by doing the es- the basics. They should have a retirement plan. Mm-hmm. They should be saving. They should have enough life insurance to protect their families, mm-hmm. but also the church should ha- be protected yes. uh, in those regards. They should have the basics in place, uh, the foundations that enable them to freely minister. And a lot of times that's something that's overlooked. And so so I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but okay. here's, here's, here's the – I mean, here's here's the big issue I find with clergy, Mm -hmm. myself included. Mm -hmm. You know, you're taught to walk in humility Mm -hmm. and, you know, serve the Lord Mm -hmm. with gladness. Mm -hmm. Amen. And no filthy lucre, Mm -hmm. like, you know, old King Mm -hmm. James, Mm -hmm. no filthy lucre. Mm -hmm. And so it almost seems self-serving to even go to your board and say, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, I could use Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z Mm -hmm. or this organization would be equivalent mm-hmm. in the secular arena mm-hmm. to, I don't know, to such and such. And the yes. CEO in that environment, right. 
has you know they're they're kind of taken care of mm -hmm. and and you know I, I guess i'm just i'm just grieving for for men like me yeah. who yeah. can't even like like it's almost it's almost considered reasonable for an upstart an upshot executive mm -hmm. to go to hr mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. senior mm -hmm. the c suite mm -hmm. and say mm -hmm. Hey, I feel like my performance, et cetera, right. has put me in a position where I even should be getting stock options. Right. So I want partner. <laughs> I want right. to be a partner or right. whatever, right? right? But when you're in the clergy, yeah. like you know, let me let me let me just you follow share you follow yeah. you feel so, me so that? a lot of times the the problem is people are just not educated. Mm -hmm. Most boards, for example, don't realize that over eighty percent of clergy today are full time. Yeah. When I was growing up, it was still my age, you know, yeah. many clergy were bivocational. Right, exactly. It wasn't because they wanted to be necessarily, right. but because churches couldn't afford to do anything else. Mm -hmm. We live in a very different age today. Mm -hmm. And where people are taught about finances and giving, where more a larger percentage of con con congregation is tithing and things mm -hmm. like that, um, the greatest part of a church budget really should be the people who minister to the church and the mm -hmm. staff, because mm -hmm. that's where... The great wealth is, I don't mean wealth and money, sure. but the wealth and talent is to be able to equip the believers for living their lives. Right. So we teach boards, for example, things like the things that a job used to be responsible for. The employer today is the church. They have to be responsible for those mm -hmm. same things. Mm -hmm. And those things protect the church and protect the clergy. Mm -hmm. And it honors God because later on in life, you don't have somebody that's, um, you know, where they have to write a check to the widow because they didn't prepare or, uh, ahead of time. So I think if you're a pastor and you're hearing this, you know how sensitive an issue this is. And and what I'm hearing you say, Ed, is that your team or your your yourself or someone mm -hmm would be willing to meet with a board oh, of a church absolutely. to help them understand how important this issue yes. is. And yes. that, I mean, the weight you could take off of a pastor yes. by, by you're kind of going in and fighting for him mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the church, yeah. not just for we're him. We're really fighting for God Yeah, we want him to be honored. Absolutely. And he has been very clear that he wants people that carry the word to be unfettered in their yeah. ability to do so. I knew a pastor who was still pastoring into his late 80s, mm -hmm. almost 90 years old, and I knew why. Um, one day I was at a minister's conference, and he drove on the sidewalk. He mm -hmm. was driving a car. He hit, wow. he hit, he hit like a fence. He was, this is a normal trip for him. Uh, someone said at, at another event he was there, he, had, he, he didn't have on the same color shoes. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, you know, one thing we would chuckle about it, mm -hmm. but people were brought to tears. Yes. And that's, that was a classic example of somebody who couldn't retire. Yes. Not because they couldn't let go of ministry, but yes. because they had no other. This is all I've done for 40 yes. years. Yes. I don't know how to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And the church didn't have anything in place mm -hmm. to make retirement an option. Mm -hmm. So the church dies because mm -hmm. he's not in touch mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. He didn't remember what he, you know, it's mm -hmm. just. So really, that's a big issue, man. I, I I wish we could spend, we probably could spend a lot more time on that. But I got two or three more things. Okay. Now, I know, I know right. you got to go. How about. Um, Let's let's go to estate plan, just yes. really quickly. State yes. estate yes. planning for dummies. <laughs> Can you help us out? That's another scary thing, uh, man. Estate planning. What is yeah. what does that mean? How does that work? Yes. What's the what's the you know the helicopter yeah. talk on? Yeah. Estate so planning? so the basics that people need to realize is that everybody has one. <laughs> Everybody wow. has an estate. Wow. Whether you think you have nothing or you don't, if you own anything at all, you have an estate. Wow. And the whole idea of estate planning is to have a control landing when you're no longer here because that's mm. one thing we know statistically. Death comes one per person. Yes. It's consistent. <laughs> it's very yeah, consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have no idea the timing of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's certain basic that we all should have in place. Obviously, we need to know what we want to happen. Mm -hmm. So just like we were talking about planning for finances and retirement, what is the driving meaning purpose of your life? What 
what significance do you want to have at the end? Okay. Mm-hmm. Once you can determine that, then you can dovetail in planning for the assets that you have, whether you have a little or much. Yeah. So everybody needs several things. First of all, they need a will. Mm-hmm. A will governs the basic things that we own mm-hmm. that do not pass by contract or do not have beneficiaries. Okay. So that's our house, um, that's personal items. All mm-hmm. of those things are governed by the will, but the biggest thing a will does is to determine what happens if you have minor children. Mm-hmm. So custodianship for your children. That's just, if you have minor children, you just got to do that. If that's the only thing you cover in your will, make sure that's covered. And minor children are under 18? Under 18. Okay. And the question is, if something happens to you, if you're a single parent or something happens to you and your, your spouse, if you're married, do you want the courts to determine what happens to them or do you want to determine it so that's so important because somebody listening right now thinks, I don't need a will. I'm 25. Right. I don't need a will. I'm 31. Right. If you got minor children, yes. you need a will. Like absolutely. So you're already, you're already convicting us. That's right. All right. Then What's the second thing you need to do is make sure that you give someone authority to make decisions for you when you cannot make them for yourself and you're still alive. Okay. It's called powers of attorney. Mm-hmm. Powers of attorney come in two basic flavors, financial powers of attorney and then everything else. Mm-hmm. So you think about it, if you were on the Beltway, and fortunately the Beltway is kind of a deadly place, and you're falling behind a, a truck of bricks, and they fall on you, and you're in a coma in the hospital, uh, 120 days after you're in a coma or whatever, um, you're not going to get get well cards from your mortgage company. Mm. They're going to start proceedings mm-hmm. uh, for you know, coming after you and all mm-hmm. your other, all of your other creditors are too. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't named someone that has the ability to act on your behalf financially, you're going to be up the creek. Mm. Um, same thing for health. So today's laws, well like HIPAA, of course, is the, is the cornerstone, privacy, etc. You don't even have the ability legally to get information on your college student if you're, they're not living with you in another state, if you think about it, mm. because they're, if they're ad- have reached beyond um, into majority mm-hmm. uh, adulthood, mm-hmm. they're not legally able to, re- to uh, release information to you. Yeah. So if you have, um, uh, if you're single, your parents can't come in. Well, you know, of course they'll do things informally, et cetera, but they're not legally able to make decisions for you unless you give it to them. So mm-hmm. powers of attorney. Uh, for health and finances are, are very important, even if you're married, because when you're married, of course, you're you're okay. Mm-hmm. But what happens if some of if something happens to both of you simultaneously? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you want to be uh, want to prepare for from an estate plan uh, of estate p- um, perspective is to really determine what impact you want to have outside of your family. Everybody wants to live an inheritance of their children, we hope. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a wonderful thing to do. Mm-hmm. But if you've ever driven down the street or gone to a wedding at a Catholic church or gone to a service, and I'm, I'm not picking on Catholics, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but mm-hmm. I want to make an illustration. If you ever visited a Catholic church and you're in this beautiful, magnificent building and there are 20 or 50 people in it, mm-hmm. you ever wonder how that's possible mm. financially? Estates. Estates. Mm-hmm. They've developed a culture of giving to God's work. Mm-hmm. People die, they got some life insurance, the church gets a piece mm-hmm. of that. That's something we need to do more in our community. I'm not yeah. saying that just because I'm here. I'm saying it because I'm, re- in some regards, whatever I do is representing, I believe, God, God's work or God's people being able mm-hmm. to do God's work. Mm-hmm. And we can't forget the church. We have, our, our, our culture in some regards is, is so young, we haven't thought about it that way. Right. Um, so many times we think, well, I don't have this or I don't have that. Well, Things like life insurance can create estates magically and instantaneously. Mm-hmm. For a few dollars a month, you can leverage it mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and have a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one other thing I want to mention as it relates to, to this topic, even though it's not technically estate planning, and that's another major risk that people aren't aware of a lot of times, mm-hmm. and that is the cost of long-term care. Wow. Long-term care is the quickest way what made me think about it during estate planning is the quickest way to disinherit your children. Mm. Or it can be the quickest way for you to be d- disinherited as a mm-hmm. result as well. Mm. And unfortunately, there is no structure in our um, society or government or health plans or uh, uh, that really cover that unless you're destitute. Mm-hmm. Uh, cost of long-term care is just 
astronomical. Mind-blowing. Astronomical. And until I had a family member where we are dealing with those issues. Yes, me too. I was enthusiastic about it before. I think I'm militant now. It's major. <laughs> we got to prepare for it. You start paying for it. Absolutely nursing care to yeah. come and take care of your family yeah. and they didn't have that in place yes yeah. so yes. there goes your estate if it happens basically anyway no this is this has been absolutely amazing insightful helpful empowering um and fun being here with yeah, you yeah yeah man thank <laughs> you man thank you are there any books financial books that you recommend or things that i know that's i don't know you probably read all the time but you know you know books i have to be careful about making specific recommendations and the reason why is because um let me put it this way there are plenty of top sellers you can go on amazon and see in the personal finance area and pick one but none of them are perfect and none of them are going to have the same position right and none of them know you who you are (laughs) ah got it so what applies to you i am really reluctant to make specific recommendations without that makes sense. Yeah, uh, honestly. You recommend the four-part series called Dollars and Cents by Keith Battle, wouldn't you? Oh, of course yeah, I would. man. I saw your series earlier this year. I, I said, boy, you? I said I could have taught that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only time I could have replaced you with a pulpit. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Brilliant. brilliant. Thank you, really sir. Brilliant. I appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, it's been great having you. There's so much more we can always talk about yes. as it relates to finances. Um, any final thoughts you have for the people? As you roll out, as as the music comes back. Well, well, thank you for the pleasure and honor of just being with you today. Uh, You know, I've known you for a very long time. I've seen what God has done in your life. And I just am so thrilled to see what he's continuing to do with you and the ministry. That's the bottom line. Thank you, man. Continued blessings and grace. Thank y'all. Hey, thank you, Ed. That's Ed Gaskins, y'all, of Euro Financial Architects. Ed Gaskin, no S on the end. They're located in outside of Columbia and Elkridge, Maryland. They have locations in Greenbelt, Rockville, I think he said, Tyson's. Uh, get at him, y'all. He's got the information and the tools we need, not just for uh, business owners, but clergy, special. You got special salary compensation packages. You need help with estate planning, taxes. You need entrepreneurial advice, whatever it is. Uh, That's where we need to go. Thank you so much again, Ed. Thank you all for tuning in this week. And we'll talk to you next time on the Keith Battle Podcast.